I like that. Obedience. That ultimately is the question, isn't it? Do you obey or do you not? Is the question we're wrestling with in our text today. You've heard it read aloud several times as you listened and experienced it a little bit earlier. Now this past week, I've read this text many, many times and I cannot get over the progression of obedience. The levels of obedience. Go ahead and get out your Bibles. Turn to Luke chapter 5. In this passage, I see four very clear levels, four very clear stages of obedience. Obedience that can translate directly into our life of following Jesus, our personal and our corporate discipleship. I see one of those stages being very easy. I see another stage being easy yet annoying. I see a third stage being painful. Scary, And I see a fourth stage of obedience being dangerous. Four stages of obedience. All four stages of obedience can be translated right into our journey with Jesus. Stage one. Let him get in the boat. Let him come into your cubicle. This stage, I want to say, is easy. As you can see from our text, Jesus had been going around teaching, and he had moved from the synagogue to the sand dune. Jesus was walking along, and the people just kept crowding him, wanting to hear, as our text puts it, the word of God. Verse 1, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, many of your Bibles will say the Lake of Gennesaret, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. From there, Jesus steps into one of the boats without even asking Simon, the owner, if he could. He sees two boats, looks at one of the fellows left in one of the boats, and climbs right in. This was not a big boat. 16 to 20 feet max. So you've got two people in that short amount of space. They're going to notice each other. Here, Simon has a choice to make. Does he tell this man who just climbed into his boat to get out? Simon could have said, wait, wait, wait a second there. Don't come in here. This boat is not clean. We've been fishing all night. There's dirt, there's seaweed, there's muck and mud. I haven't had time to clean it out. Frankly, it's already parked. My boat, it's not yours. Get out. Simon could have said that, but he didn't have time because the next thing you know, Jesus is giving him some instructions. Verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Is this an easy step of obedience for Simon? Does he push the boat out? It appears Jesus is getting in. I mean, he's already taken the initiative. Should Simon push the boat out just that little ways? text doesn't say Simon pushed the boat out, but we can infer that he did because verse 3 continues. So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now we can assume that Simon stayed in the boat, pushed out with Jesus, perhaps to steady the boat, to keep it from beaching itself with the morning breeze. Maybe Simon had one oar in the water to keep the boat still while Jesus taught the crowds. Jesus said, Simon, push out the boat. 
I don't think this was a difficult choice for Simon. In fact, I think it was very easy. Putting the boat in the water was something Simon had been doing his entire life. And he grew up doing that. The water was his second home, and this was his own boat. So to put his own boat into the water just a little ways, it would have been easy. And if you look at the situation, it's evident that Jesus is on to something. He's got great crowds following him. So why wouldn't Simon take advantage of that? I mean, aside from being tired from the long graveyard shift in the water, Simon didn't have much to lose. If anything, he got a front row seat to listen to Jesus. And and another thing, this probably wasn't the first time Simon had had a personal encounter with Jesus. Last chapter, verses 38 and 39, Simon's mother-in-law had been healed by Jesus after church on a Sabbath day. It wasn't too long before. Now, whether or not Simon was there in the room when that happened or not, we don't know. But I'm sure Simon would have heard about it. And thus, some sort of personal connect. So you let Jesus in the boat, but then does Simon push it out? Easy choice for Simon. It may have even been nice for Simon to actually sit and listen for a while while the rest of the crew stayed on shore and finished cleaning the nets. Easy level of obedience. That's stage one. Stage two that I see in here, push out the boat even more and let down the nets again. I want to say for Simon that's easy but annoying. Verse four, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. I say this step of obedience would have been easy for Simon to do because, as I just mentioned, he knew the fishing business. It was his trade, his job, his his source of sustenance and income. Frankly, this was a business he would have been doing since he grew up. He would have known fishing. So to take the boat out just a little bit deeper and let down the nets, easy. But it would have been annoying. And inconvenient. And here's why. I know this because I've done some similar fishing to what I think Simon was doing at that time. These fish, they weren't from my catch, but they're from a catch in my family way back when. Take a look at me when I was younger. I got the same cheesy grin today. I know fishing like this. Here's the next slide. It's a picture of my grandpa coming back. Look at that boat full of fish. I know fishing, okay? So I can say to go and fish more for Simon would have been easy but annoying. Here's how it would have been annoying. You think at that moment Jesus realized he was a carpenter? A woodworker by trade talking to a fisherman? Somebody who fished for a living? You realize, or did he realize how silly it would have sounded? And it's like having a dentist come into a tech business and, hey, type in that code. Easy, but annoying. I want to tell you a few reasons why taking the boat back out would have been annoying and inconvenient. First reason, the nets were on the shore. They weren't even on the boat, right? Luke 5, verse 2, it says Jesus was walking along and he saw two boats and their fishermen with their nets on the shore. That means that if Simon is going to put the nets back in the water, he's got to go back to shore to get them. 
Simon could have said to Jesus, this is annoying and inconvenient, but if you say so. Reason number two, obeying Jesus' instructions would have been annoying and inconvenient. If he had to go back to the shore, it means he had to reload the nets. They're on the shore. They have already come out of the boat. He's got to get them and put them back in the boat. A lot of people think these nets were about 300 feet long and 8 to 12 feet high. Now, I know from commercial fishing in Alaska that if you put a net in the boat wrong, when it comes back out of the boat, it goes out wrong. And you then have to reel it back in and do it again. So easy but annoying, Simon has to go to shore and make sure that those nets, those 300 feet long nets, get put in the boat right and then go out to shore. Simon may have said, Jesus, my hands kind of hurt from all that taking in and putting out and taking in, but if you say so. Reason number three, these were the wrong kind of nets. Most people believe these nets were called trammel nets. They were nets meant to be set at night. They were nets made of linen, visible during the day, but not visible at night. Simon could have said to Jesus, but Lord, I'm an experienced fisherman. I know what I'm doing. My crew is top of the line. It takes two to four people to set each of these nets. We know how to do it right. We've been doing it right all night long. We've got the equipment to fish at night. What you're telling me to use isn't the right stuff. The fish will see the net in the day. It simply won't work. This is annoying and inconvenient, but if you say so. Simon had to choose to obey something that would have been easy for him, yet annoying and inconvenient. And we've had stage one, let Jesus into the boat and push out a little. Easy, right? Stage two, go deeper into the water and fish some more. Easy, but annoying. Stage three, allow Jesus to show you who you really are. That's not easy. It's scary. Verse 6 through 8. And this time, after he let their nets back in the water, this time they were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. In the events that transpired, Simon was reminded who he really was, a sinner. This is the first time in the Gospel of Luke that this word is used, and it won't be the last. We don't know the depths of what Simon meant when he proclaimed himself a sinner. Maybe he was thinking about his sailor's mouth that usually spouted off in his own boat when he said that. Maybe he was thinking about Jesus' perfection compared to his imperfection. Maybe he was thinking about uh, law number two in the four stages of, you know, the four spiritual laws. We don't know what Simon meant, but we can sense from Simon's response that he got a glimpse of who he really was. Because in the middle of that boat, he fell to his knees, which was a sign of worship, a sign of reverence, a sign of respect and honor and humility, and he asked Jesus to leave. Leave me. I just got a glimpse of who I am. And I'm not worthy to have you in my boat. You ever heard a response like that in Scripture to an encounter with God? Does it ring any bells? 
Simon, though I don't think he was intending to, was acting out the call of Isaiah. You remember that? Isaiah caught a vision of the Lord in the temple. He caught a vision of the seraphim singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And what did Isaiah declare? It's over. I'm doomed. I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people who have filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King and the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah saw the Lord and realized who he was. Simon saw the Lord and realized who he was. He caught a vision of who he was compared to Jesus, and he declared himself a sinful man. When we get a glimpse of who we are without Christ, deep down, it is scary and painful, oftentimes overwhelming. We see what happens in the text as we continue verse 9. For Simon was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. A miraculous catch of fish led Simon to recognize who he was himself, and more importantly, who Jesus was. This moment was, I believe, painful for Simon. That's stage three, obedience. It can be painful. It can be scary. Our final stage is stage four. Obedience is more than easy. It can be more than easy but annoying. It can be more than scary. Obedience can be downright dangerous and life-altering at that. Verse 10, the second half, Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. You see the danger in that? Jesus, the carpenter, instructing a fisherman, speaking the same language that Simon would understand, yet Simon didn't fully understand it. Jesus is inviting Simon and his entire crew to leave everything they know to come with him and to try changing other people's lives. There's huge risk in this. There's a risk of looking foolish. There's a risk of failing. There's a risk of, once you do that, never being able to go back to what you did before. Obedience like this is dangerous. It's as if Jesus was saying to Simon, hey, you've been fishing for animals, for fish that die and you sell in the market. From now on, though, you'll be trying to catch people and you will set them free. Verb Jesus uses in the Greek there in the second half of verse 10, fishing for people or to catch It is a play on words, but it could also mean to capture a life or to spare a life. This meaning would have had Old Testament echoes in Joshua 2.13 when Jericho was being attacked and Rahab the prostitute was negotiating with her Hebrew spies. She said, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live. That Old Testament word, let me live, has been tied by many scholars to this New Testament word, to catch, meaning to spare a life. Simon would be catching people in order to spare their lives, in order to truly let them live. Simon would be catching people in order to truly let them live, catch fish, they die, catch people, set them free, they can truly live. This is a dangerous act. Imagine the possibilities of changed lives. Lives once headed for death, for destruction, now on a path toward Jesus Christ. There is great danger in this. You're messing with people's present, with their future, with their eternity. 
Would Simon obey? Would he answer that call? Verse 11. In fact, the second half of verse 10. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything to follow Jesus. Simon left everything and chose Christ. At arguably the greatest moment in his fishing career, the largest catch he had possibly ever had when Jesus summoned Simon obeyed. He left it all. He turned his back on what he knew. He chose to walk away. This is stage four obedience. It's dangerous. I planned out this Gospel of Luke series back in November of last year. And when I did, the main focus of today's sermon was going to be that the first disciples followed Jesus out of obedience. And that often obedience leads, leads to leaving what we know. Back in November, I pictured this huge conclusion to a sermon, you know, a call to all of us to leave what we know, to choose stage four obedience. And then I spent more time in the text this past week, and I realized that that's just one of the directions we could go. There's four different stages. Now, having heard this sermon, if you are sitting here thinking, yes, God is telling me to leave my job, to leave the security of what I know, to leave my family trade, commit my entire life to doing something different so that I can follow Jesus. If that's the message you're hearing this morning from God, amen. So be it. Hallelujah. Walk with Jesus. Walk away with Jesus. And you're about to embark on the grandest, most terrifying, yet most fulfilling journey of your life. Get out of your boat. Leave your success and go fish for people. I realize God may not be telling all of us to do that this morning. If God is not telling us to do that, I want you to know that if you choose to obey Christ, whatever level he's calling you to obey him on, Christ is thrilled. And I want to tell you, you're about to embark on the grandest, most terrifying, yet most fulfilling journey of your life. We make this plain and simple. Following Jesus requires obedience. Jesus said it himself, if you love me, you will obey me. But obedience is going to come at different levels, different stages. It could be that today, the obedience God is calling you to is simply to let him into your boat. Simply to let, you, to let him into your life. Now there's beauty in this. The beauty in the story is that Jesus has already taken the first step. He has already taken the initiative. All you have to do is make the choice to let him stay. Do you tell him to get out because you're not ready for him? You haven't cleaned up your life enough? Your boat of life is already docked and you're enjoying the rest in the harbor for the rest of your days? Or do you obey and let him in? Perhaps you're in stage two with Jesus. He's in your boat and you've let him into your life and now he's asking you to push out just a little bit a little bit deeper and to guide you into what you are already doing. To guide you into what you already know. I loved that Jesus did that with Simon. He didn't tell Simon, hey, get out of your boat. Let's go build a house. Let's go plant a garden. Let's go create a website. No, Jesus told Simon, look, here's your skill set. Here's how you're wired. Let's go out a little bit further. Go with me into the world you already know. And then let me rock your boat. Let me produce some amazing things from me. 
but results that come in the realm that you are already in. It could be that Jesus is saying that to you this morning. It could be he's saying, hey, we're walking life together. But now you got to let me into your office. you got to let me into your relationships with other people. you got to let me into your family. Let me into what you know. Even if what Jesus is asking you sounds absurd, like go fish at night with, or go fish at day with night nets. Even if you've been doing it forever and ever, you think you know how it's done. Jesus simply wants you to trust him. To obey him. That's stage two. Stage three, maybe after hearing this morning's message, you're realizing that you've allowed Jesus into your boat. You even pushed out a little bit and he's, he's working with you in the things that you know. And now he's wanting to tell you who you really are. It can be scary. And yet, freeing all at the same time. I mean, looking in the mirror with Jesus standing next to you, it gives you a picture of your humanity your sin, yet it also gives you a picture of what Jesus gets to tell you. When Jesus, or excuse me, when Simon saw who he really was, did Jesus pick him up and throw him out of the boat? No, he didn't. Jesus told Simon, hey, don't be afraid. You recognize who you are, but do not be afraid. Jesus didn't throw Simon's sinner self out of the boat. In fact, he told Simon he needed Simon. Jesus needed Simon to be part of the ministry. Broken, sinning through the eyes of Christ. He needs you. Jesus could have said, you know what, Peter? Great, you recognized you're a sinner. I'm Jesus. That's enough said. Come with me. Join me in my ministry. Let's go. Is it scary to get a realistic picture of who we are? Yes. Is it thrilling to be told by Jesus anyways? Come on, let's go. Oh, yeah. For those people who Jesus is calling into the dangerous act of stage four, like I said earlier, go for it. But I want you guys to hear me well on this. I'm not elevating one stage over another. I'm not saying stage four is what we all try to get to. Jesus is just as thrilled when you land in stage one and you obey as he is if you land in stage four and you obey. My question for you this morning is, will you obey? Will you obey? I'm going to give you a little bit of homework because I can. I'm guessing that at some point this week, at some point in some degree, big or small, Christ is going to say, hey, obey me in this. So here's the homework. It's simple. Three steps, okay? One, when you realize God is telling you to obey, take notice of that. Take notice of that and observe how you respond. It's easy, okay? That's stage one. Stage two, no matter how big or how small, this week when Christ tells you to obey, when you notice the moment when you respond, stage two is tell somebody about it. That's the second thing, okay? So notice And then tell somebody how you responded, whether you responded right or not, whether you obeyed or not. Just tell somebody. Stage three, optional, okay? Tell me, because I love to walk the journey with you. Like I said, optional, email, phone call, text, doesn't matter. Tell somebody. When Jesus says to you this week, it's time to obey, no matter how big or how small. Whatever of the four stages of obedience we've looked at, the question is, will you obey? Let's pray. God, you've given us a pretty direct call this morning. A pretty direct challenge. 
I appreciate it, Lord, when you make things this clear. It's either obey Christ or not. There's no middle ground. And I thank you for that. I thank you that it's black and white in obedience. Now, God, what that black and white is, there's shades of gray. And how it's going to look for each one individually in here, that's going to be different, Lord. How it's going to look for us as a corporate community of Christ followers, it's, we don't know that yet. But Father, this morning we are trusting that you are calling us to obedience. And we want to follow. We want to obey. We want to let you in our boat. Father, we want to respond when you tell us to push out just a little bit and then push out even more. And then when you tell us to to leave everything. We want to obey you well, Lord. And we need your help for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I fully believe that God has spoken to us this morning. He first invited us into worship. We spent some time with him. He's spoken to us through his word. And I want to encourage you to respond to him. The same passion that the Israelites did when Moses took the the words of the covenant and read it to them. They said, we have heard the words of the Lord and we will obey. Exodus 24, verse 7. We will obey. First, you have been called today to obey, not just for your own personal relationship with Christ. Not just for this church's relationship with Christ. Simon's crew, Simon's fishing partners, they saw his obedience and they were changed men. You've been called to obey so that others will see your obedience and hopefully be changed people. When they see it, may they give glory to God.